Good evening, all. Um, tonight's show is going to be um, kind of like what I did, but with somebody else, when I talked about um, my Harry Potter plot and just plotting on the fly. And um, I hope to make this kind of like a, a semi-regular thing with different guests. So if you would like to be a guest on the show and do a plot drift with me, um, send me an email or use my contact form or send me a I am on Facebook or put up a smoke signal, you know, send an owl. You know, if you could send an owl, that would be fucking fantastic. Okay, anyways, um, tonight's plot drift is John Shepard is an agent and my guest is Jilly James. Um, and uh, for those of you who are in the chat room, uh, one thing I noticed during my plot drift is that uh, it was great that you offered ideas, but it was not great that you kept offering the same idea after I dismissed it as an option. So you're welcome to participate, but uh, keep in mind that when the drifter, who is Jilly this evening, when she's making a decision about her plot and she dismisses your idea, don't take it personally and don't try to talk her into it. It's a waste of our chat space and we'll just slow the process down and you know, just have a little respect for her process and for... Um, the rules. Thank you very much. And we're going to get started. Um, as soon as I, okay, there she is. Hello, Jilly. Did I get the right number? I had to unmute. Yes, I'm here. Hi. <laughs> Are you ready? I am as ready as I'm going to get. Okay. John Shepard is an ancient. John Shepard is an ancient. <clears throat> okay. So... Um, I did have a, like a couple minutes to think, and I think I don't want him to know he's an ancient. I think that's my central starting point: is that he doesn't know he's an ancient. Um, okay. I think he. What I think I want to do is that he didn't advocate. He was an ancient on Atlantis, and he did not have. Um, he didn't advocate leaving Pegasus. He thought that they created the problem in Pegasus and they should stay and fight it out and not leave and focus on ascension. But he's overruled, and they leave, and he eventually ascends, but he keeps advocating for handling the situation in Pegasus. And so eventually they get tired of him and his attempts to help in Pegasus, and they plunk him down as an infant with no memories on earth. But I'm thinking about how the ancients like to make deals, how the ascended like to make deals. And like they did with Chea, was Chea, is that her name? And how she could yeah. help that one planet. So I'm thinking the deal is, all right, if you can get back to Pegasus, you can do what you want. <laughs> before he is before he is plunk I mean these guys aren't time travelers really. I'm working on the no time travel thing. So the deal they make with John before they throw him back into a human body with no memories is that um he can he can do whatever the fuck he wants if he can get himself back to Pegasus. And they think he's not gonna be able to do it, so they think they won. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
So John gets back to Texas. The thing is now this is where I start my ideas getting murkier in my head. Of course, we know John gets to Pegasus. He has to remember because they're not going to do anything to help him. He has to remember that he knows how to ascend because he can't really do anything if he doesn't ascend and use his powers. So something has to trigger his memories. And that there's some sorts, I think there's some conflict, some, some central conflict there. Um, because if he ascends, well, he does, Rodney can't ascend, not easily anyway. Which he's and maybe he likes human. being human. Yeah. Well, and there's also he's also has an entire lifetime. I think he's like what 32 or 34 at the start of the show. He has an entire lifetime of human values drummed into his head. Um, and there's that whole idea of you know power corrupts, and certainly if he ascended and took care of the race, that would be. Um, A lot of power. Hmm. It's okay. curious. Did the first ascended ancient just automatically have that rule that they weren't going to interfere? Because otherwise, the first one up there, why didn't they just go? You know what? Fuck you, race, and just. <laughs> I think you know my interpretation is that it's a group. Um, it's an agreement reality more so than a like a rule of ascension or anything like that, that they yeah. agreed that, you know, that they went, they said, you know, it, there's too um, too much power. You know, we can't be gods. We don't want to be gods. We are going to uh, agree that we are not going to interfere on the lower planes once we get up there and that they can enforce it with group might over, you know, a single individual. Um I think there were a few ancients who were clearly kind of monitoring the situation on Earth. Uh, but I don't think, it didn't seem like in, in Stargate uh, SG-1 that they were overly invested except for o- Oma Dasala uh, with what was going on. And she wasn't, and I'm thinking she wasn't focused on John. I don't think, no. and she probably even agreed with, she probably even agreed with John that they should have done something about the situation in Pegasus. So I think that the at whatever point, so now I'm jumping to the end of my idea here, is at whatever point that John deals with the deals with shit, because there's not a lot of point to this idea if he doesn't deal with the race, um, is that they enforce the idea that John is confined to Pegasus. That yeah, they made a stupidly broad agreement, but they did say Pegasus, and so he can't use his power to his abilities or his power to. Um, solve all the problems in the entire universe. Or protect Earth. Right, or protect Earth, because which, they... Which people on Earth will demand. Right, they will. Oh, they yeah, because they Earth is full of assholes, too. <laughs> and he's like, and, you know, he's, he's like, what good would it do me to get thrust back down into the body of a baby and have to do all this shit again because I broke the deal and tried to do... Um, tried to take care of Earth or whatever. So so he's confined to Pegasus eventually. Um, I'm thinking that he maybe ascends for a while to do whatever it is he's going to do and then comes back 
into a, a human body because he decides that he will give up his ascended powers to be with Roddy. Maybe that's the ultimate end of the deal. That he has to sacrifice ascension in order to be with Rodney. So I can't have him forget his memories too quickly because he needs to be attached to Rodney before he gets his memories back. Well, Senator brings up an, an interesting point. Um, at the very end of season one, um, John tries to sacrifice himself for the city. And the Daedalus beams him from the jumper just as the nuclear weapon that they've bargained from the Janai goes off. Right. And so, so says, what is well, he... maybe the Daedalus wasn't on time. Hmm. That's be an interesting place for him to get his memories back. <laughs> um, he did make it to Pegasus, so if he immediately ascends, he can do whatever he wants then. Wow, that'd be an interesting way for him to come back. He pops back into the city, and it's like, hi, guys, sorry. Um, didn't mean to worry you. By the My way, bad. I took care of the wraith. <laughs> <laughs> took care of the wraith while I was problem. gone. But now I am stuck here. Uh Oh, yeah, they could have that whole moment at the end where um, maybe they they aren't in a relationship yet, but John reveals that the reason why he came back and the reason why he uh, gave up Ascension was because he was hopeful about something with Rodney. Mm -hmm. That whole kind of I came back for you kind of moment. It's very dramatic, sort of. And charming. Yeah. And, you know... Rodney could be all furious about it. (laughs) What the fuck do you mean you gave up all that knowledge? What is wrong with you? (laughs) You could just see him be so mad. You better have written that shit down first. (laughs) I hope you remember everything, asshole. Charged the fucking ZPMs. Oh, I'm sure John will remember that. It's like, for you, Rodney, I remembered. <laughs> this in my head. Just for How you. How we're going to do that. Mm. Oh, yeah, Rodney would be so annoyed. Uh, I probably should. I'm, I'm, I'm torn between do you give John, like, in his ancient life, his ascent, you know, but when he was an ancient, what was his role in life? You know, you could do something where it was like he was, did something, because, you know, he eventually got a degree in, Math. He has a what is it? He has a master's in math and canon, I think. Um, so if he got a, uh, um, that could be related to that interest could come from where he, where he started as an ancient, or he could have done something completely. I mean, he could have been like the city plumber, and it could be a real letdown for poor Rodney. What did you do? Did you design HL systems? <laughs> no, I kept the hydroponics lab going. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! He was an Bummer. ancient anthropologist. <laughs> Give I him a social science. Scientist. He was a therapist. Oh, that, that would fit really well, actually, for why he would want to save the galaxy, save Pegasus, right? If he was very he's a, invested. He's in the people. fucking Daniel Jackson of ancients. 
oh, yeah, Rodney would just expire. He's like, why? I, I can't love somebody in the soft sciences. <laughs> for this time, you got a master's degree in math, right? <laughs> like he's <laughs> grasping at straws. Now, I'm trying to think of what the consequences would be to John... Because he couldn't, he couldn't hide. So let's, I mean, I'm not certain what the scope. Or you well, could go. His, the scope of his action could be to like wipe out the race. He could confine them to a planet to starve and die. Um, which is terrible. Could, it is terrible, <laughs> uh, and I don't know that he's quite that mean. He could remove the erratus DNA um, and make them all human. John doesn't have to tell anybody but Rodney what he really is. There's already somebody in the SG, um, SG canon who has who is human who has ascended more than once, and that's Daniel Jackson. So there's a precedent. He doesn't have to tell them he's an ancient. He doesn't have to tell them that, although they're going to want to know why he was allowed to beat the snot out of the race, and he has to have a story for that. For If he doesn't want and, to tell them who he... What, who he used to be in the books. He has not been said to Todd yet at that point, Senna. No, no. Um, in the books, which I've not read, but I read the synopsis of one, um, which infuriated me, by the way. So don't. <laughs> Anyways. We don't need anything ruining our headcanon. <laughs> the ancients created the Wraith. The ancients created the race in a botched attempt to ascend. The race are a mixture of erratus and ancient, which is why they're so fucked up, why they're so egocentric, and why the ancients couldn't stop them. John could say that. I was in Pegasus. I sacrificed ascension to get rid of the wraith with the ancients' agreement because it was their mess. Hmm, I like that. And then he can tell Rodney the truth. So he sacrifices, so he tells him he sacrifices Ascension to get rid of the race. Um, and eventually tells Rodney the truth. What does he do with the race? I think it's almost crueler to um, cure them cure them because they some of them would have thousands and ten thousand years of atrocities in their head and but they're probably all going to be experiment with the hoth virus is that when they lost their erratus dna they forgot who and what they were oh that's right but can you imagine thousands and tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of effectively ancients? Now, if you remove their erratus DNA, they're effectively ancients on spaceships, weirdo spaceships floating around the universe, having no fucking clue who they are. 
That's what ancients do. Make big fucking messes and then go away. <laughs> they do. Well, you could. At least they wouldn't be eating people. They wouldn't be eating people. A, but, a, I mean, how... <laughs> I think John would have to set them up with a planet and let them start over as a new people. And they would be like, Be- so, dude, why are there only, like, eight women? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a problem. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm putting this in my notes. Eight women. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are actually more queens than that. But um, there were not that many queens left. No, there weren't. So you can't really start, I mean, all you can do is a people with, like, you know, maybe, let's say maybe a couple dozen women is die off. Well, he could put the women elsewhere and let the men, like, die off as a people. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what is the, what do you do in a situation like that? If you've got all the power, I mean, this is this becomes the crux of the, it's the big ethical dilemma. Right? Is what do you well, do yeah, if you've got all that power to fix shit? When you fix it, there are consequences. There are consequences to not fixing. There are consequences to fixing. So it becomes a question of is has John's humanity. Corrupted who he is enough that he's willing to commit an act of genocide. Because the ancients obviously weren't. Well, they weren't willing to commit genocide or possibly able to commit genocide before they ascended. And then after so they, they weren't. Ascended, after they went ascended, they clearly weren't everybody. because they were they had their hands off policy. And I think there must be something about ascension that makes you not care. Fundamentally, not I mean, or at least not care <laughs> about anything beyond what you were focused on before you ascended. I mean, that could be it. You could be stuck in the mindset you were in at the time you ascended for all eternity, basically. It's like well, it says you know what a I mean? lot about how often Daniel Jackson visited Jack O'Neill when he was ascended. Yeah, because if you're stuck in where you were, basically not stuck, but it's like your thoughts and your emotions don't evolve as an once you ascend. Meaning you where you were in that in life is where you are for all eternity. Effectively, if Daniel, if if there, if your focus, if your soul focuses, yeah, if your soul focuses on ascension when you ascend, and on the next thing, the next journey, the next whatever. I mean, that's 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 they're focused on, right? Is the next thing in life. You don't care about what happened before. But so you have John going out in the moment where he's sacrificing himself for the city against the wraith. So he's going to come into ascension furious and ready for war because that's how he went out. Right. Which would put him in a position probably mentally to wipe them out instead of anything else. Although some ancients could plead for because clearly there are some ancients who have different mindsets. And I would imagine they once they found the path to ascension, probably not everybody was real keen on the idea. 
Uh, maybe it was like a 90% thing and you kind of went along with it because that was agreement reality. You know, it's really hard to um, escape when your entire culture is doing something. Um, I mean, you saw, we saw that in canon, that the voice of dissent was really not listened to. And they they came up with subversive ways to getting what they wanted, um, like putting Elizabeth in that that tube and keeping her on the city. Ain't old Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. Because they found they found ways to manipulate what they um, what they wanted when they were um, the voice of dissent. Because there really wasn't a voice of dissent. It didn't seem like it was allowed. Uh, but if they were in a different headspace when they ascended, like I think maybe Oma Desala was an example of someone who was, and certainly Daniel was, because he was just like, I gotta fix it, I gotta fix it, I gotta go back and fix it. He was very single minded about what he was doing with Ascension. And right. they eventually said, To hell with this, we're putting you down naked somewhere. <laughs> it was actually kinda rude. <laughs> Not just the naked, but naked no memories and awesome and a random planet. planet. <laughs> It's not going to visit until the end of time. It was the last one on their list. You know, the ancients did that shit on purpose. It's just rude. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Zan, that ascension is supremely selfish unless you're already dying. It really is. Well, it's essentially ritual suicide. It is. I mean, literally. It is ritual suicide. Um... I think that if genocide isn't on the table, that well, if they I ascended and cured the race, I wouldn't put them on one planet because you don't want them coming back together. No. And so honestly, I if people, if people knew who what they were, they wouldn't deal with them. Right. So what you do is you drop them in individuals all over the entire galaxy. Two here, three there, one there. Actually, that could be a bargaining point. Okay, so... Because um, there's a lot of race. And not a lot of people in Pegasus. And you could, like, overwhelm the... So, let's say that John is advocating for mass extinction. But... Maybe there's that voice in there that had wanted to fight the race but not kill the race. It was like, we made this mistake. They are us. We want you to, we, we can't stop you because of the bargain we made from getting rid of them. But what if you, um, I will agree to not destroy them if I can scatter them over the entire universe. And not confine them to Pegasus, and that's his mm. that's his bargaining chip is that he gets to put them everywhere because the sheer number of race I get the impression the race outnumber humans and Pegasus, and so that sheer number could really tip the scales agriculturally, you know in a lot of different ways it could tip the scales negatively for the people of Pegasus to suddenly have you know more than double their numbers to feed because these people haven't been eating real food. And there's the nest world. 
to worry about were Wraith or Bread. Yeah, what do you do with that? I actually don't even remember how you breed a Wraith. They're like insects. They're in pods. Right, of course they are. It's basically like she births eggs, and the eggs go into pods, and they grow up to be drones or or the other class. And I guess occasionally a queen might birth another queen. Well, since they're so immortal, if, the only reason she would do that is if she was, if she had too many drones or whatever, and she was going to. I think a queen throwing another queen had to be more like a, a genetic imperative versus an actual idea. You know, it wasn't something she planned on doing; it just happened, and then the, the female, race would be ejected. She might take drones of her own with her when she goes. White bees, yeah. Yeah. And form her own hive. Um, so if, if, they, if, if he strips some of their erratus DNA, the things in the pods, what are they? Are they babies? Are they... Are they... Like in varying children and at levels of maturity, because I assume they don't come out of the pod until they're fully baked. So what's right. in the pod? What's in there? Maturing. Maturing forms, oh, which would imply oh, children. God. And if you Ew. take out the race, if you, if you take out the erratus, babies, toddlers, teenagers. Yeah, all locked in pods. And some of them probably wouldn't be mature enough to be pulled out of the pod. Ugh. That's a dilemma. <laughs> Mostly erratus at first. Well, I mean, if they're coming from an egg in a pod, hmm. But then that's. But then you wind up with if you strip the erratus. So if you go that route, you actually it's almost grosser because. I mean, it's like mass infanticide, right? Because those that are older survive because they have more human DNA. And then anything young, the younger it is, if it has more bug DNA, it's, they all just die. Well, that's the assumption that in order to eradicate the race, John agrees to take the erratus DNA. But what if he agrees to take the ancient DNA? And just leave bugs? Really, yeah. really big bugs? Well, they spaceships? would be really big bugs because erratus aren't, um, aren't big. Well, but if you are a fully formed large thing and you're... What are you left with? I mean, I think the template is... I mean, you, you, you basically <laughs> shift a bug running around. I don't know. I mean, I think that it would have to be... Even if the pod process isn't very long, there still would be babies in those pods. Yeah, maybe not there would thousands be. of babies, but maybe. I mean, but the other side of it is, is that Pegasus numbers, um, the Pegasus people might not embrace 
adults appearing out of nowhere. But if, John went, but if John went around delivering babies in, in his ancient squiddy form, that's a gift from the ancestors. Thank you. I will take this baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's another thing. In your premise, you've you've made it possible that ancients can be put down as infants. So why not take all the wraith and make them babies? And John could play stork. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be oh, gone Lord. Hunt. Um but the people in Pegasus they would be gifts from on high. Right, because it would receive their population and babies don't eat as much as humans do. So I mean as adults do, so they could um, you still. I don't think you could. I don't think Pegasus could absorb them all. But yeah, but maybe I mean, a lot more. A lot more, and then the, the others could be. Um... I mean, and there's actually an interesting symmetry there because that's what happened to John. Is they yeah. put him in a baby, they made him a baby, and made him start over with no memories. So he does it to the race. Makes them babies and makes them start over. The other option, <laughs> he could let them all ascend. <laughs> you, this was your problem. There you go. Guess what? <laughs> You're welcome. Your problems are coming home to roost. <laughs> Good luck controlling are... all of them. Although I don't know that you want a bunch of megalomaniacs to have, you know. Phenomenal cosmic powers. Oh, unless they're in it. Unless they're in it. Don't well, You don't want to put any in the ori. Um, but I do think the baby option is is a lot of um, it. Um, it, it does have a really great symmetry. Um, it does, and it has a lot of. And there's a sort of a sweet element to it, out of something very painful. Oh my gosh! And it called them podlings. <laughs> I'm writing that down. Podlings. Podlings. But, you know, the thing is, is that, you know, um, they would be fresh. They would be, they would be um, free of the erratus, which made them dangerous. Um, they would be gifts from the ancestors. Um, and it would create a fantastic and ultimately, um, at least in my mind, religiously dangerous um, mythology in Pegasus. But the other side of it is, is that John wouldn't have committed su- um, genocide. Yeah. And bonus, John would have enough ancient knowledge and remembrance of things to prevent um, that crap in uh, Trinity. Is that the episode? Yeah. He could tell Rodney that they never got it working and that he can't get it working and he needs to leave it alone. I may not get that far in the story, but in my head, in my head space, I would know that he is able <laughs> to prevent it. Right. More symmetry. Neither one of them commit genocide. Well, I think if you, um, if you stagger their their arrival 
on the planet, so that means John's going to be gone a long time. Because this isn't something he could do instantly. Um, and the longer John takes to do it, It would be, I don't know, you know. I think he could do, He it wouldn't happen, it wouldn't happen like in a day or two, but it might be, he might be able to do it. Um, he might, I mean, John could, John could exact a lot of price, I think, to give up his ascension. Because they don't want him to have all that power over an entire galaxy, right? Which is their deal. Their so deal is make the other Pegasus. help him. Right, he can get help. Child, you get this gal. You get this. You you take these hundred children and place them somewhere. And he can, you know, he he's the kind of guy to put, you know, a uh, price. And they, he'd probably stagger the ages. So like, I would imagine he'd do something like very mathematical in the sense of like, for every hundred years they are old, they're a day old or a week old or something like that. Um, I think John should get to keep one and bring it back to Atlantis with him. I do think he should get to keep one. And he brings... He can, he can keep Todd. <laughs> he can keep Todd, but he can't name him Todd. <laughs> no, because that would... Nobody would know it's Todd but me and everybody who's listening to this radio show. Um. Well, you could have a joke where um, John and Rodney are looking at the baby, and um, John's thinking, I think I'm going to call him Todd. And Rodney goes, no, you're not calling him Todd. <laughs> You name that child Todd. It's just a ridiculous name. <laughs> I had a so John retaliate. I'm going to call him Dot. Asshole. <laughs> they would be babies. They would lose everything. They would be basically ancient babies. Babies. Oh and God! Children, yeah. They would be ancient babies. They would be ancient babies. They wouldn't be like regular babies. They would have abilities. What kind of abilities did the ancients have other than, you know? They could heal. Um, They had had, um, empathy and telepathy. Maybe um, it's an opportunity to, to breed those traits into the entire universe. Yeah. The legacy of the ancients. Instead of them just taking their cookies and going to Ascension. And double burning the universe (laughs) on their way out. (laughs) So John basically writes, like, all their wrongs by taking care of the wraith and not killing them. It is the great double bird to the ancients of all time. Please don't name his kid Dot. <laughs> Senna, you're terrible. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> refers to this kid now as Dot. The not Todd. <laughs> the not Todd. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> uh, 
So John will have to be, because he'll be gone for a while. He probably, even if he's only gone for a few weeks, he's still going to be gone for a while. And he'll have to explain why he, um, what what happened, and that he has no chance of ever being ascended again, that he gives up that to come back. Um, well, because they, they want him to give it up, right? They want him to give up all that power. After ascension, you could have him come back to Atlantis briefly and explain that the race are no longer a threat, but he has to go. I have to go, and I want to come back. I'm going to try to come back, but right now I have to go. He could be all ancient and glowy. There's still going to be the issue of, I think the question's going to come from the SGC, even if he doesn't explain that he was ever, I mean, they're going to want to know, why were you allowed to um, do this? Why did they let you? Because the SGC is going to ask the question, why did they let you do this? They have never let any other ancient, any other ascended being do anything of this sort. Why did they let you? Well, we talked about how the wraith were literally the the ancient's responsibility. Very, yeah, very literally. And it could be that they just say that because I don't know, it's it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit murky because if John just goes, that they decided that if I would give up my ascension, that I could do what I wanted with the wraith. Um, they wouldn't have any choice but to accept that answer. Um, but again, there's the precedent of Daniel Jackson, who um, doesn't really remember Ascension. He has no idea. Yeah, he could say he doesn't remember. I just does not remember. I remember, like like Lady Holder says in the chat right now, I remember nothing. Um And the only thing they have um, is John's visit to Atlantis while he was ascended, that one and only visit before he came back unascended. And whatever John says there will be the story that the ancients are taking care of the race. I mean, he can say that, and but I have to go. Yeah, he could say, cause, well, he is getting them all involved. He doesn't have to. That's not even a lie. Right. So they're in a wonder, but John's not going to tell them anything. He's not going to know. He's going to well, he's going to know, but he's not going to tell them anything. Um, right. They're talking about why. Is, I'm trying to think of uh, so Orlin was the one who helped those people, and then they they exiled him, right? Orlin is the one that had the crush on Sam Carter, and um, came down with the um, just came down to be with her because he liked her a whole lot. But then he goes back, and then he comes back down in a child's body, 
to help fight the Ori plague. And this is after Atlantis has already been established, because this is during the Ori years. Um, but eventually, his ancient knowledge um, is just too much for his human brain. And he um, he burns himself out, like a lady holder said in the chat just then, um, and is reduced to... Nothing. He's they the SGC throws him in a nursing home. But it's not well. It can't be his ancient knowledge. It has to be his ascended knowledge, right? Because well, yeah, his ascended. But he's in a human body, and he just can't handle all that knowledge from ascension. But the thing is, is the ancient knowledge almost killed Jack O'Neill. Right, but my I have well, my thought is that John isn't. Um, that he is ancient, though. That he's not just in a human body. Right. That John is ancient. That's why the city reacts to him the way it does. Um, because he's not just a human with a gene. Because Jack is a human with the gene, and Orlin, but Orlin wasn't was a unascended, a deascendant ancient as a child, and the child body that he was in could not handle, and he came in as a child because that because a child had ability, mental ability, physical ability to handle more of the ascended knowledge than an adult would, but even that body failed him. His brain couldn't handle it. So whatever they get during ascension is even beyond what an ancient can hold on to. So for John's life, it's not an issue because he doesn't remember. Because we know it's not an issue for Daniel. Right. Um, so the issue clearly is whatever's going on in their brains with their memories. The knowledge that they have. Just, as ancient. just ascension be, knowledge is too much for even an ancient's brain. So John can be stripped of his ascended knowledge. But um, not his ancient knowledge. But not his ancient knowledge and not his memories. Right. Because memories, memories of events is not the same thing as, as knowledge of things, right? Right. So he could he could remember to relay to Rodney... What really happened, even if he has to say, I can't tell you all of the stuff you want to know because in order for me to come back, they had to take those memories. They had to take that knowledge from me. But one of the, but it could be one of the reasons why they were able to strip Daniel Jackson of everything and him not get the ability to get any of it back is because he wasn't an ancient. But John is an ancient. So they right. might not be able to take everything away from him without reducing him to a child again. Well, and they but they never took it they never took his memories away. They blocked them. Right. Um although so maybe they can't although, take them away from him. Yeah, because they're his. And it would either wipe him out of existence, or which they don't do, typically. I mean, they wouldn't do it to... The race, they certainly wouldn't do it to their own kind. And they didn't do and it to Anubis, even, either. 
Anubis, that was it. They, they, I always get an Anubis and the other A guy, Apophis, screwed up in my head. Um, they need to have. They need to not have the two major bad guys on SG One. Have A A is. You know, my husband just... calls Apophis Poppy Grande. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so upset when they killed him. He was his favorite goal, and they killed him. And he's like, "Oh God, they killed Poppy." <laughs> He was so mad. But Poppy went out like a boss. I mean, they had to use a fucking planet to get rid of Poppy. So that was a badass right there. They had to use replicators, a crash ship, onto a planet to get rid of Poppy. But, um, yeah, he was really upset. So now you can just call him Poppy Grande. Poppy Grande. So I don't have to trust with Anubis and Poppy Grande. It's because he had all those um, elaborate outfits and shit, and he was just, yeah. <laughs> he called him Poppy Grande, and it was just like the funniest thing. So, yeah. Nobody had outfits like Raw did though in the movie. No, no. Lord, that boy, that that boy was into some pomp and circumstance. Wow. And weird, you know. The the weird very kid, weird kid decorations. It was very strange. <laughs> yeah, he had kids as accessories. It was very um oh god, I almost said something really inappropriate. Um I'll say it. It was very Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> All he needed to do was build a theme park. I'm not sorry. <sighs> I'm really not sorry. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> Just one glove. But yeah, so um, there's plenty of precedent in the series for you to finagle um, different aspects of ancient um, ascension and, and de-ascension um, to the point where John can just, I really don't remember. And there's precedent already there. And so it's it's believable that, that, that they would believe him. That he doesn't remember ascending. Yeah. And it, it uh, you know, and the show sets the precedent for they themselves rewriting um, uh, their own canon, effectively, changing the rules of their own canon, because I was talking with Karen about this the other day, the episode where, you know, they, you had the SG-1 who came through the quantum mirror, and they couldn't stay because of the entropy issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they had, later in the series, they had all those SG-1s coming through the gate, but they had no entropy issues. <laughs> well, they weren't there very long. There was, like, she was... Um... They address it. They actually do address it in the show, and the the way they supposedly handled it was because the universes were further away, and the closer the universe is to the universe you're visiting, the more you're prone to entropy. It was like, okay, so I mean, they, they came up with some really. I mean, the show sets precedent for some, you know, very wiggly science. <laughs> I had a um, a offshoot of what might have been. That I actually wrote and then had to had to put aside because it didn't um, the plot with Sebastian in it, where John and Rodney are on Atlantis and John um, ends up in a different uh, dimension universe and um, Rodney 
loses his shit. <laughs> and comes to get him. And he's in this other Atlantis. And um, their John and Rodney are like not together. And it really fucks with them. And they're plotting. And um, they can't get back. And, you know, Patrick keeps making Raddick open the little gate thing so he can yell at them for being in another galaxy or in another universe. But then I had to let it go because... Um, uh, Sebastian wasn't in it, and I thought, I can't have Rodney going to another dimension with Sebastian. He he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't leave Sebastian. So I had to put that aside. But I have got like 34K written. But mostly it's about the other guys and how John, the John they were visiting, isn't part of, doesn't, doesn't really know what's going on with his family. So they go back to Earth and um, reconnect with his dad and John's been shot, so he shows up on the doorstep, and he's recovering, um, and his dad just, like, is so shocked to see him. But anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, I went off on a little tangent, sorry. Um, I like tangents, though. This is this is what plot, this is what happens when you plot is tangents. It's like, <laughs> oh, this, and that, and ooh. But then I had to take it back, because um, I realized I had written this um, one night when I was thinking about, you know, how I would continue the series, and it got started, and I played with it for a while, but then I realized I couldn't do it, because I hadn't addressed the issue of Sebastian in either universe, and I was like, hmm, that doesn't work, because that, that was before I wrote Sebastian into the series, um, I knew he was coming, but for some reason, when I wrote this little offshoot as, you know, the sequel option, um, I, I totally forgot about him. Yeah, oops. <laughs> and people people love Sebastian, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, forgot. yeah. You sent that um, holder, and she'd have been like, "What is this?" Where's, but where's I keep Sebastian? it because I think that I might do something else with it. You know, do a different version of John and Rodney on Atlantis, and you know, play with that a little bit and see what happens. Um, there's or, there's. There's always room for a new Kira. Stargate, yes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no one will complain. <laughs> but mostly it was about this John that sees a John in another universe getting everything he he wants. He has Rodney. Rodney and John are married in that universe. He has his brothers. He has his father. And he has this amazing life, and John is so fucking jealous of Shepard that he can't stand himself. And so, <laughs> when he finally does get back to Earth, that's all he can think about is that I, I really want my family back, and I want what that dude has. And he's getting ready to go over there, and he's like, well, what if it doesn't work out? And Rodney's like... We'll open up the dimensional thing, whatever I called it in the story, and you can cuss the other shepherd out. <laughs> <laughs> and the other, and the two Rodneys keep exchanging like shit, you know, ideas and and data and um, uh, I, there's this thing with ketchup chips in the other dimension. They stop making ketchup chips and they're, fav- and they're Rodney's favorite. So the other Rodney keeps buying them by the case and sewing them through the dimension. <laughs> ketchup chips incoming. <laughs> this is contraband. 
you're so nasty. <laughs> it's a potato chip that's flavored with ketchup, Sybil. That's what it is. Like they're in Canada. Onion potato chips, but you know they're um they're ketchup. Canadian. And when I was very young, um, my my dad is Canadian, and so we would go up there. And I would get ketchup chips, and me and my sister would fight over that shit. <laughs> oh, Senna. We don't drift on this. <laughs> but anyway. No ketchup chips. <laughs> oh. What? Sorry. Completely different story idea. (laughs) (laughs) Notes. Okay. You want to start over and do it again? We could. Hit it from a different angle. John Shepard is an ancient. Oh, Lord. Um, A different angle. Wow, the STA plotting is one of the hardest for me. I don't know why. Poor Senna, the last time I had to do an SGA plot, I, like, noodled on it by myself for, like, two weeks, and then I finally went, I'm stuck. <laughs> Sybil asked a question in the chat room. I'm going to answer while you're thinking. Sybil asked, what would the Sentinels of Atlantis John think of ties that bind John? Sentinels of Atlantis John would want to kill ties that bind John. He would hate him. He would be absolutely furious to know that there's a version of John in existence that would hit Rodney. It would infuriate him, the idea of Rodney being hurt, even willingly. Because the Sentinels of Atlantis, John, is deeply invested in the protection of his guide. And it would, it would be oil and water. I think that the John and what might have been would probably actually kill the John and ties that bind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that uh, um, that uh, uh, he was so primal. John and Sentinels of Atlantis sometimes. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think that I think homicide would be on his mind. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the other side of it is that the John and Ties that bind would pity both versions of John in what might have been and Sentinels of Atlantis. Because he would think their relationship lacked trust and intimacy. Mhm. Well, I, like I said, the what might have been John would would kill the John from Ties That Bind. The Sentinel John would want to. He would be furious. But the one in what might have been would do it. Because <laughs> he's, he's a sociopath. I, people talk about how primal John is and um, the Sentinels of Atlantis and how 
um, harsh he is in Ties That Bind as a sadist. But really, the hardest John that I've written is in what might have been. He's a stone cold killer. Yeah, and he has that. Uh, that's the what might have been is the one where he has some of that erratic DNA incorporated into his. Right. Um, the Rodney Ancient is a different drift, Senna. It's a future drift. Someone else left the drift on that one. Um, Keep talking, and it might be you drifting on that one. There you go. <laughs> okay, so John's an ancient. So John's an ancient. So uh, a few things occurred to me as, a, uh, as I did. Which, you remember the episode with the time dilation field that they get stuck yes. in? Yes. Was it... Was it? I can't remember which way the dilation was going. Was it no time was passing inside the field, or, or almost no time, or tons of time was passing? Tons of times were passing. It was like six or seven hours for the for Atlantis, but it was like six or seven months for John. Okay. He grew right. a full okay. beard. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what if there was? So there's a couple of things. So John is an ancient. So I wouldn't. Uh, it's a completely different idea. Um, Take Shepard out of the whole mission thing. So either he is, I'm thinking either he is the one, he is ancient John, except not ancient because he'd have done that shit upright and not aged in that pod. Um, instead of Elizabeth being there to guide them through the city because he didn't want to leave it. Or ancient John was stuck in a reverse time dilation bubble and they find him and they get him out. And for him, it's maybe been a few years, but it's been 10,000 on the outside. Even a few years by himself would be hellacious. Yeah, he'd be completely wackadoodle, there's no doubt about it. But, and also dealing with the betrayal of his race, um, because he would find out that not only did they not come find him, which is very consistent with the ancients, they were so focused on their shit, right, that they... Um, they were so focused on ascension that, and getting out of, you know, just going forward that it's, I think it's conceivable that they wouldn't have gone to find him. Um, so he has to deal with the fact that he's been alone for a couple of years. He's been, or even however long it is, he's been alone. His people took off. Um, they created the wraith. What if he doesn't know about the wraith? They created the wraith and left the galaxy that he loves to die at the hands of his people's invention. I just created a lot of angst for myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, Elizabeth aged in the pod because she wasn't an ancient. They found an ancient in a pod who hadn't aged a day. Oh, well, true. True. So he could so, be on the city. So either he didn't leave the city because he, he didn't leave the city oh because God, he. I swap money myself. Did you? Yes. Do share. Oh <laughs> you just want the pressure off of you. That's what you want. I know. Oh God, that actually kind of hurt my head. <laughs> That Don't make so, me, because if, if, if you leave it to me, we'll, if, I, cause I, I could go off on Tony and the Grand Gesture if you want. <laughs> <laughs> okay. John is an agent. 
he is the guardian of Atlantis, chosen by Atlantis as her champion. When the ancients get ready to leave, he refuses. It's his duty to stay with Atlantis. And they agree to put him in a stasis pod to only be activated if somebody enters the city. Ten thousand years later, the SGC dials Atlantis. They come through and they're met with John. I like that. And they have to deal with the Guardian of Atlantis. And of course, that's going to be the fucking name of that. <laughs> it has, you know it's going to be epic when the story starts with a name. When you know the name the minute you come up with the idea. Yeah, yeah, it's like, boom. Uh, that's why it hit me so hard, right? It was like, oh, fuck, right there, there it is. You Sometimes when you have, like, um, especially when you're talking with another writer and um, you're listening to them move through different ideas and thoughts, sometimes you just get hit, which is the best part, I think, about interacting with other writers and um, discussing plot points uh, is that you get your own juices flowing. So I hope the only other side of this podcast that you guys are having that same experience even though you're not getting to talk it out with us. This is why whenever I get stuck and I just, you know, I go to another writer. Um, usually, a lot of the time, Senna. Um, most of the time, Senna. Because we drift really well when we're plotting. And um, it, uh, you know, it just, the, the creative juices get flowing and everything just suddenly starts to click. And it would just work. Of course, him being an ancient in a pod totally destroys my shepherds. It kind of hurts. Ow. (laughs) Don't point out the obvious. I can't stand that. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, they could be descendants of, of John's. They could all exist. Well, yeah, they just wouldn't be part of his life. Um, John yeah. Shepard would never have been born on Earth. It would just be David yeah, and Matt. Yeah, the same thing, same thing, that one of the Shepherd boys came through. Oh, oh, Matt could be in John Shepard's place. Yeah. Matt Shepard could be in John's place. He'd be a different animal than John, of course. Because Matt just yeah. is. He's Sumner's second in command. Marine or Air Force? Um, I think that I would probably make Matt. Normally I make Matt Navy. Um, It's just, I don't know why. Um, well, you still could. I mean, John came on the expedition because he was the ancient light switch, right? Um, right. And Matt could be a Navy SEAL or something, and they he gets on the expedition as the only Navy member um, because he has the gene. He has John's Yeah, he gene. should definitely be a Navy SEAL. I've never done Matt as a Navy SEAL. Um, Literally, he has John's gene. Literally, yeah. John's exact gene. 
and maybe that's how John figures it out is because he can tell with his knowledge of it, with that an ancient knows enough about DNA to be able to tell exactly whose ancient gene he has, like non-coding DNA or something is unique. So how did John's DNA get to Earth? So let's say that his spouse um, was more was preoccupied with ascension and didn't want to stay, and she wasn't interested in his dedication to just a city. And he, she leaves and has wild monkey sex with a human or two has a baby, and leaves the baby behind because it's not ancient enough to ascend. But it wouldn't be John's baby. True. Maybe she's pregnant when she goes. I sort of can't, can't believe I walked into that plot hole. <laughs> she's pregnant when she Oh, left. you know, actually, what if it's John's father? What if oh. Janet is John's father? <laughs> and Janice goes to Earth and continues the line, which Maybe. leads to Patrick and Matt and David. Or, John does have a son, and John sends that son through to Earth for his own safety, which would make... That has more feels. It's his direct line, too. Direct line, yeah. Or daughter. Daughter. He might be more inclined. I mean, I don't know. He might be more inclined to kick a daughter off the city and say, sorry, you can't stay here and die with me. I can't bear it. Daddies are so funny about their girls. Probably even ancient daddies. True, true. Hmm. Oh, God. Why do I want to stick kids in fic? I was like, well, what if he keeps the son and sends the daughter to Earth? Hmm. You know, it's kind of trying to put myself in the head of the people who did the things the ancients did, and wonder and wonder about their level of sentimentality. But why would Atlantis choose John as her guardian? She would pick the one that was the most loyal, that was the most attached to life. I don't think I think John would be sentimental. But I'm wondering about his children. So, meaning, like, if he had, he said that if they have the two kids, maybe the daughter doesn't care that she, maybe she wants to go, as opposed to him sending her away. That's why I started trying to think about what would people raise then. Maybe John's an anomaly in his thought processes. But if the daughter is married, because oh. they don't they don't have to be children because ancients live for a very long time. Um, yeah. The daughter maybe she, maybe she's pregnant and hasn't is married. Running. She has she has kids. She's going to go through the gate for their protection. But his son, who could be younger, stays. Sebastian, by chance? 
I don't know if I would use Sebastian. I don't know. It's tempting because well, I do. I love Sebastian. Um, but Sebastian had a human mother, and so that's a. Um, yeah. Would you use how would you use some like variation of John, like something more with Latin roots or something, or just John? It is. I don't know. What is it? What are the variations of John? Johan is a variation of John. I wow, wonder how many lot. people just Googled variations of John. <laughs> the only one I know off the top of my head was Johan. Um, and very, very, very many Johan. You'd want something probably with Latin or Italian roots. Janice. <laughs> Is John Hebrew? What what is John? John is biblical. That's all it says. There's no there's no origin for John. Let's see. English form of Johan. Well, look up Jonathan. Jonathan is the Hebrew name, something I can't pronounce, meaning Yahweh has given. Yahweh is Jonathan. gracious. Yeah, Yahweh is gracious. So the or- origins of John is, I guess, Hebrew. The name was initially more common in Eastern Christian in the Byzantine Empire. So that could have easily been a name they got from the ancients. Yeah. That could be his name. I mean, John can be his name. That way I don't have to worry. Because I hate... I hate renaming characters. One of my least favorite things I see in Harry Potter is when people give Harry Potter a different name. It really irritates me. <laughs> Especially Harry. I don't know why. I don't know why it bothers me so much with Harry. I don't well, know why. Is John, is John the, the pro- what is John's ability to the proper ancient? What's the proper ancient's abilities? Would he be like have telepathic or empathic abilities? Because if his name, the like the Latin or the Latin root of John, um, would be something like Johan, but mm-hmm. he could know that um, he could say my name is such and such, but you can call me John. That's what it would be in your in your language. Would be John. I normally use Latin um as my ancient in my in my stories because it's just the easiest thing for me to do cuz I can look up Latin online and not have to worry about it and I was never interested in creating my own language um yeah. <laughs> cuz hello no um So, when Lady Holder did it, she used... How do you say that? I-O-H-A-N-N-E-S? 
I think it's pronounced Yoan. That's what I've been how I've been saying. Yoan. That's, that's that's the name I've been saying is Yoan. Okay, Yoan. Um, I'm looking it up. <laughs> when in doubt, hit the Google. <laughs> hit the Google. Ayahan. I don't think so. I think that that is somebody who's struggling with the fact. I think that is somebody who's struggling with the fact that. Johan is very familiar. I mean, I've heard that before. So. Johannes. Johannes. That's how they're saying it's pronounced. Johannes. But that's, in, that's Swedish. That's the Swedish pronunciation of the name. So. Ionis. Oh, Ionis. Okay. I like that too. I like that Ionis. Um. But he could I tell them I, they could call him John. And then he might even eventually take the shepherd name because of Matt. Oh, Eonis. Hmm. So he becomes, so he goes from Eonis to um, John Shepherd. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. Of course, he would have a big-ass long name. It just wouldn't be that. It would be like some more stuff added to it just to make it more complicated and sound e- more important. Eonis of the Hydroponics Lab dot com. (laughs) (laughs) My eyes just bugged out. I don't even watch Team Wolf. Sorka just said in the chat room with Dylan O'Brien still too hurt to work. The rumor is that he's getting replaced on the show. I got nothing. You you just can't replace Styles. I don't even watch Team Wolf, and I that's I'm deeply offended. I'm terribly offended. No, I agree. No, bring a new character in. You don't have to. Oh God. Well, you know they've already killed the show, really. So they might as well just cancel it. Okay, anyways. Yeah. I don't even Without watch style, with no Styles and no Derek? I mean, what the fuck? Just what's, the point? Just, what's the point? Just, just, just give the up. Scott show just never the ghost. The Scott show never worked. Um, so, okay. John's an agent. So, that's my plot bunny. He is the guardian of Atlantis, and the people on Earth have to deal with a living ancient who says, you know what, this is actually my shit. And no, you can't do that. And no, you can't do that. And who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> I think that's awesome because um, people, they, they just kind of, there's, there's this go-take mentality of the SGC in general. I mean, there right. always was, right? Go find us some big-ass guns. That was sort of their mission charter. It really was an exploration. This was not the United Federation of Planets. Um, 
it was go get some big ass space guns or spaceships or something. It was sort of sort of like a technology um, uh, scavenger hunt. The whole show. And they did some good things along the way, but mostly because Daniel Jackson was part of the program. <laughs> I mean, he was like the program's conscience in a way, right? Um, right. I played on that when I was doing um, Volante and Legacy. Um, yeah. Because Daniel Jackson was their conscience. He was their Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. And they had to they had to find their way. Um, when Jiminy Cricket went to hang out with the real boy. Well, I don't so, think John? You know, in an AU where John is the guardian of Atlantis, um, part of his duties as the guardian would be to make sure that they don't, that the city doesn't... Um, flood that the city doesn't run out of power and that he would be woken up by Atlantis herself whenever she needed help and maybe that's what happens and that's how he wakes up for the expedition her gate activates and she wakes John up which kind of reminds me of that scene and Senna will get this before anybody else when um in the beginning of the first Halo game when um Cortana wakes the Master Chief she wakes him because she's in trouble. Now, not the beginning of the first game, but the beginning of the fourth game. She wakes John, the Master Chief in Halo, because she's in trouble and she needs his help. And she's shouting for him, Chief. She's shouting, 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 and he wakes up. And he's like, he springs immediately into action. And what's really interesting about that is that in the other games, especially in the very first game, Combat Evolved, when the Master Chief wakes up, he's not ready, ready. He has to go through a series of diagnostics and move around. And this is really the game preparing the player to use the character. But... It gives a stipulation that when John comes out of stasis um, as the Master Chief, the Master Chief, not John Shepard, but the Chief character on Halo, when he comes out of stasis, it's a it's a process. There's a process of him waking up and the augmentation going through the diagnostics and everything. John 117, and just going through the Spartan 117 routine kind of thing. But in that game, in the fourth game, or is it the fifth game, Senna? I think it's the fourth game. Um, Four. When Cortana needs him, he comes online like a fucking rocket. I mean, there is just like boom, and he's ready to rock, and he's ready to go to war immediately. And um, so yeah, I I kind of see that happening with John in Atlantis, where she um, when she needs him, she wakes him, and when Earth starts dialing the gate, she wakes him. So when they walk through the gate. John is sitting at the top of the stairs. And they get their look at and they and their first look on Atlantis is an ancient looking them right in the face. What are you doing on my city and who invited you? Right? Huh. Yeah. And because he's been tending the city all along, she wakes up when she has needs. She's not out of power. Um, and she's not flooded, and she's still on the on the on the um surf. She's 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 underwater. She's safe. All right, and uh, you know it's always been my head canon that ZPMs are 
not charged on Atlantis because if something goes wrong with one, they, like, blow up a planet, right? Right. So I've always figured that there is an, an abandoned planet somewhere with a ZPM charging station. It's probably like an underground bunker or something like there that. There was, oh, God, who wrote that? Was that a you, Lady Holder, that wrote that there was a fucking asteroid that had the ZPM charging station in it? Or was it a space station? I've I've written it in one story, but I don't think it was. I didn't write it in an asteroid. Lady Holder wrote it in a space station, but somebody wrote it where there was a protocol on Atlantis, and when she needed a ZPM, she would dial a gate, a space gate, and uh, send a protocol to this enclosed satellite that had no entry. And that satellite was actually basically a ZPM builder, and it would harness energy from the sun. It was it was oh. evolving around the sun, and it was harnessing the power of um, harnessing energy from the sun. Um, no, it's not me because it's brilliant. I wish it was. Uh, and um, in a vacuum in the ZPM, and when the ZPM was finished, it would send a box or a crate through the wormhole, and in it would be a fucking ZPM. Which makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. I don't I think, think it was that a they... Forenza. I this well, that's one I haven't read, but I'm very interested in reading it because that is brilliant. Because I don't think that you can, you know, I don't think they would have taken that chance with the city of charging or creating ZPMs. Maybe creating yeah. them, but certainly not charging them on the planet that they lived. With the potential for only humans at the SGC would do something that silly, right? Now, the one thing I do have going on in a work in progress is that. ZPMs are actually charged by ancients. That an ancient has the ability to harness the power into a vacuum, and that's the reason they can't find any charging stations because there aren't there aren't any. Mm. Well, and And that a ZPM is a work of art, and it can only be charged by an ancient. Because you addressed that uh, the issue of the danger of charging a ZPM in one of your stories, what might have been? And what might have been, yeah, yeah. That Broadney thinks he's figured out how to charge them, and but they're, the test is going to be on another planet or the moon or something like that. And Probably someone asked why he said, "Because my cat lives here, and I don't want to blow up Earth." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. My cat lives here. <laughs> I think that Dances with Gary did write one, but the, the one I think I'm thinking of it was Esperanza, because um, it was like really, um, I want to say it's the same one that had the multiple chairs. That there were like four or five control chairs, and each one had a different function, and that was Esperanza. And I don't know. Um, um, right? That was indelible. Uh, indelible. 
I hate when I, my memory is Swiss cheese. I just put that out there. <laughs> and I haven't even been leaping around other people's bodies. Um, but yeah. I feel what? like it's in, no, not indelible. Indelible is one with the tattoos. I'm looking up her works right now, but um. It seems like the one with the satellite ZPM station was also the one... Okay. Indelible is by... I I can't say her name. Shaney? Um, Is that the one with the control chairs? Indelible? So there's one where there's like an ancient fleet of starships. That's the one with the control chair. Um, but the one with the satellite ZPM station, I'm pretty... I have my hand up in the air like you, like you guys can see that. Like I just like literally mimicked a satellite above my head. Um, <laughs> I'm a talker with my hands. Uh, I think it, it really is um, Esperanza, but I don't remember... Um, Anything more than that. It was brilliant. It was like the most brilliant idea as to, um, but my idea for charging the ZPMs was that only an ancient can do it. And I have a work in progress where Rodney is horrifically injured off world. And Atlantis uses, she manipulates John because she wants more power. But Atlantis can't get more power without an ancient. And John's not ancient enough. But she bargains with John and says, I can make you ancient. If you give me more power, I can save Rodney. Oh, manipulative Atlantis. And he agrees. And she makes him an ancient. And he charges three ZPMs. And she saves Rodney for him. I think I did post some of that on EAD. Um, Kindred? It's Kindred, I believe. Um, So that was my idea for why they couldn't find um, uh, a ZPM charging station, is that they, they, that literally the only people that can do it are, um, uh, are ancients. My favorite, you gotta have sex. Um, one is the one where John, um, <laughs> in order to activate some weapon, John has to have sex in the chair, and uh, Atlantis picks Rodney as his partner. <laughs> and SGC has to do a special con- discompensation so Shepard won't get. Um, you know, arrested for doing the butt sex in the control chair with McKay. Oh my god! <laughs> I think it is Vance. It's awesome. I fucking love that story. Oh, it's great. Then there was another one where Elizabeth and Raddick, I believe, Elizabeth and one of the other scientists on the city. Um, manipulate a prophecy so that it looks like John and Rodney because they're matchmaking and in the prophecy in order to defeat the race John and Rodney have to hook up 
<laughs> so Elizabeth tells Stargate Command that they have to let John have a relationship with Rodney because of an ancient prophecy. But really, she's just a fucking Yenta, and she, like, manipulated the entire thing just to so that she could slash John and Rodney together. It was like the biggest... Oh, it was it was great. So she's like a big old fangirl. <laughs> she's fangirling, and she manipulates the prophecy, and I don't think she's doing it by herself. I, th- I think there's somebody else involved, and uh, just so that they can get John and Rodney together. And it's a whole big plot. Because she shipped it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But there's... That also happened in the Harry Potter fandom where Minerva totally shipped Harry Hermione and she was afraid that she was going to end up with, um, with Ron. So she convinced the goblins to find this old, old, old contract. Um that didn't actually exist, but then suddenly did exist, where a potter had to marry um, a Granger because of a bet, and her father couldn't even argue with it because it was his ancestor who lost the bet, and basically gave a daughter, the first magical daughter of his line, to the Potter family. Well, Hermione is the first magical daughter of his line in the story. And so, basically, Minerva, like, manipulated the whole thing and created a marriage contract because she shipped Harry Hermione. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. But I think my favorite is the one where Elizabeth convinced everybody that John and Rodney had to be together because of some ancient prophecy. But that really wasn't what it said. But by the time she got finished with it, that's exactly what it said. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Matchmaking by manipulation. Isn't that the way it's always been done? (laughs) One way or another. (laughs) We're going to get you together for your own good. Yes, that was EAD 2014. Um, cause I do think that um, it's a huge plot hole that they didn't... I mean, I, I know why they didn't find a way to charge ZPMs, because it's a plot device. But it's dumb. It's a stupid plot device. And also, so is the fact that the ancient database on Atlantis isn't searchable. Too well, it has to be searchable. They just hadn't. They just couldn't figure out how to search. I mean, that's that's my headcanon. Is they just haven't the figured it out yet. Weren't capable of creating their own Google when they fucking created a ship city that would fly in fucking space. <laughs> right. <laughs> Makes and they no but they did all that sense. coding to make that city work, but they didn't think to do a search function. Right. Like, dumb motherfuckers. They could have just said that the entire database was corrupted or that it got water in it. <laughs> it shorted out. But they had to do some stupid convoluted thing where it wasn't searchable, which is just dumb. It's just dumb. Yeah, I mean, they do this shit to make their life more complicated so they have more stories to tell. But it just, it, it just, you create implausibility. I mean, suspension of disbelief is a big deal in in stories, in TV shows, in movies, and if you can't suspend disbelief, it ruins it. It ruins it. And 
we have that issue in many, many shows where you're like your your suspend your ability to suspend your disbelief is challenged a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But you go on and you go and you go, okay, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna ignore that, I'm gonna ignore that. It makes no sense. I'm gonna ignore it, and then they shatter your ability to suspend your disbelief, and you just throw up your hands and you double bird the you double bird your TV and you walk away. And you rage quit watching Hawaii Five-O around season four. <laughs> yes, or you spend two years writing Dead Air Fix-It Fix. You know, I mean, something. You have some, uh, there's some reaction to when one of your favorite shows uh, shatters your your ability to suspend disbelief. And Stargate Canon flirts with, um, flirts with your suspension of disbelief through the whole show the Stargate SG-1 and um, FGA because of the plot devices they use to create artificial tension. Right. Um, but but ultimately, you know, I was so so we but it gave us something to do, right? It gave us it gave us a canon we could go in and fix. There was, you know, something to do there. Well, I was talking to somebody and it might have been it was you guys. It was in the um in the round table. We were talking about um that stories, that movies and shows that are almost perfect have really small fandoms, whereas mm-hmm. shows and books and movies that have huge plot holes you could drive a, a super jumbo jet through have huge fandoms. Especially if there's relatable characters. Right, because there's the, the, the more you can fix, the more you want to write about it. Right. If you like the characters and there's a lot of shit to fix, it's like, that is a match made in heaven. I mean, shitty characters and a bad canon... It's going to be I a dud. I think that's why the Hobbit fandom exploded. Because well, because we all need, we all needed a fucking happy ending. I mean, they, all they made they made <laughs> Thorin relatable. They made him freaking relatable because he was not to me relatable in the book. No, no I did not really. like Thorin in the book. I didn't care that he was so much. I mean, I was I was I was a sprout when I read it, but I didn't care so much that he died. I didn't like that the the boys died, but. You know, I was like, eh, Thorin died. Meh, meh. Bilbo's sad, not sure why. Um, but They made the, him beautiful, and then they made they, him relatable. And yeah, beautiful and relatable, and then you're like, oh, he can't die. I have to fix this. I have to fix it. I have to fix it now. I have to fix it so hard that it never happened, and it changed the entire history of Middle Earth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I have to rewrite an entire culture to fix this shit. Because if Thorin lives, that does have dramatic changes. A a king living who died, who would have died, it's going to have massive impact on Middle Earth. So it's not a little fix it. You know, it's it's a big, big fix it. Oh, let's be honest. Thorin was an asshole in the book, but he was also an asshole in the movies. (laughs) But he was a relatable asshole in the movies. (laughs) Yes. You can understand why he was the way he was in the movies. He just seemed like a dick in the book. Yeah, and he was pretty. You can't underscore that enough, really. I mean, you you, you can't, because they did make um, Thorn Oakenshield very attractive. The sex appeal is difficult to overlook. Mm-hmm. And they made, they made the boys very, very pretty, too. And they went all in with the Durans on making them attractive. And still dwarfly, you know, still dwarfish or whatever you want to put that. Dwarfy. Dwarfly. <laughs> dwarfly. It's added to my lexicon. Dwarfly. <laughs> Forever and ever. 
Okay, one more crack at it. John's an ancient. <clears throat> John is an ancient. Well, I mean, the story, I don't think it has a lot. I'm trying to think. It doesn't have a lot. I'm not sure what the appeal would be to writing John as an ancient at it, when the ancients were still the ancients. Because mm-hmm. um, that is, I mean, that's a potential avenue. He's an ancient way 10,000 years before. Um, I mean, you could do horrible things. You could have John be the one who accidentally creates the race. Um That has just really um, ugly connotations. I don't know that I would want to write an angst test like that. Um, I'm trying to think of a way. What if it's Rodney who goes back in that episode with Elizabeth instead of Elizabeth, and he meets Ancient John? Oh. I'm wondering, would Rodney make the decisions Elizabeth made? Would John make different decisions? Would he, what if he fell in love and he stopped caring about Ascension? Oh, because... trying to think through the ramifications of what would happen if Rodney was there and it had some major impact on John. What would they do? Different stories. Well, yeah, this is a different um, storyline. This is our third um, crack at if John was an ancient. What if John does fall in love with Rodney. But John's already ascended. So he's like an early ascender or something like that? Yeah, I mean, well, because they didn't all ascend at the same time. And I mean. Uh, right. What if he, so he's one of the first ones to get it? Because ascension isn't even new. Ascension wasn't a new idea when they went to Pegasus. I mean, the Ori fucking were, were, were fucking ascending, right? Because they they split the Ori and the uh, the Alteran split from the Ori. The, the the two people they split because they're different viewpoints, but they were both pursuing the same thing long before Pegasus ever. So it was a long process. But the implication process. is is that in Pegasus, despite the fact now in the Ori galaxy, the Ori gained power from their worshippers. Now, in Pegasus, despite the fact that they don't solicit it, there are plenty of people in Pegasus who worship the ancients. And they gain power from that, whether they want it or not. I'm sure they wanted it. I'm sure they did, too. But it isn't, you know, they're they're really no different than the Ori in that respect. They just were decided that they were above punitive um, consequences if you, punitive action if you didn't worship. 
Okay, so what if John is on the city as an ascended ancient? Because uh, ascended ancients can look just as human as anybody else and not even appear to be ascended unless they want to appear ascended. Chaya only revealed herself as ascended when she had no choice. Would he? Would would they know he had achieved ascension, or would he be hiding it? I don't know. But what if he does fall in love with Rodney, but Rodney decides to get in the pod and do what old Elizabeth did? And so John has to watch Rodney get older and older every day, every year. And he watches Rodney change out the ZPMs and go through his life. And then one day, John's watching old Rodney in the pod. And a brand new Rodney walks through the Stargate. Young. And still vibrant and brilliant and not on the cusp of dying. Ow. But it's not the Rodney he fell in love with. No. But what if Rodney doesn't even know who he is? What if he never met Rodney? What if he was ascended and he watched this and he watches Atlantis and he watches this Rodney go through these motions over and over again? So it isn't like he knows him. He's just fast. Oh, did I I plot bunny you? Well, I don't know. What if he decides that, I mean, he knows, he has to know that this is all happening because Rodney's coming to the city. I mean, he can mm-hmm. make that leap, right? Rodney came yeah. to the city, he came back. So he knows that Rodney's again in the future and coming to the city. What if he starts to admire and really respect Rodney and he sets up the city for Rodney so that when Rodney finally comes, that it's not even the ZPM or anything like that, but that the city, the city Atlantis, is almost like gifted to Rodney. <laughs> Welcome to Pegasus. This is your city. <laughs> and John makes that happen. The ancients and the ascended don't care what he's doing because he's not like using his powers. He's just going into you know human form periodically and tweaking in the Atlantis computer systems. And it's their city, so why wouldn't he? It isn't like he's interfering with anybody else. He's just right, you know, maintaining their city. Right. And they didn't care that Elizabeth was there doing shit, so there's precedent for them not to care what's going on in the city. So he's tweaking things, and the city becomes Rodney's when he he's like the king of Atlantis. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. And even though he doesn't have the gene... Because John's had access to his genetics for 10,000 years. He's tailored every system on the city to respond to, John, to Rodney like he's an ancient. Mm-hmm. So Rodney can fly jumpers if he wants to. Um, there might be some things he can't do because he doesn't have some ancient gifts, but the city, the lights come on, he can work the doors. Um Google, all he has to do is tell the computer <laughs> what he wants, and it gives him the answers. You know, Rodney's DNA is involved. Rodney's touching a console. I think it's probably some DNA component to the ancient systems or, like, whoever's touching them. If they have the gene, it, it does more than – if the system is, like, 
like coded to to Rodney whatever he wants. He's like, wow, I need to figure out where the ZPMs are, and it tells him oh, they are. <laughs> They're on over here. <laughs> They're on here's this the planet. Code. <laughs> there, there are dinosaurs. Take a jumper. <laughs> Have it's it closed right now. So wear a jacket. <laughs> and everybody jokes with him, thinking the city has a crush on him, but it's not the city. It's John. Yeah. John, who has a big old ascended crush on a human. (laughs) And then they find the old Rodney. Oh, it would be terrible. Oh. Yeah, it would be awful. And old Rodney, I imagine that old Rodney, John has got 10,000 years of old Rodney doing the right thing for 10,000 years. He gets up, he does the thing, and bitches the entire time. And so he comes to just love Rodney griping. Because he sees him. This is what Rodney does. He does he does the right thing in spite of all of the reasons why he has not to. It's so validating because um Rodney as a character in Stargate never gets what he wants. He he never he didn't have the gene. He doesn't get the girl. I know eventually he does get the geek fantasy girl, but that let's just get let's just forget that ever happened. Um he's the Our story's happening in season so, one, that didn't happen. <laughs> so suddenly he's in another galaxy and it's like giving Harry all the stuff. Absolutely. It's like giving Rodney a big Harry Potter shopping trip. <laughs> And on top of all that, he eventually gets a really hot ancient boyfriend. (laughs) A really hot one, yeah, with weird (laughs) hair. That's like the best present ever. Here, have a city. (laughs) And a super fucking hot ancient elf lord. That's from Stina in the chat room. <laughs> it is kind of fun, though, that just the idea that, you know, that um, John's kind of waiting for Rodney to show up again, and he's watching. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a dual um, existence where he's watching one version of Rodney get old, and he's watching him sacrifice for Atlantis. Um, and then... On the other side of it, there's another version of Rodney coming, who would have made the sacrifice because he did make this sacrifice. So all that sacrifice that John sees in old Rodney is also in the one that's coming. So there's like this this bittersweet emotion attached to the one that's getting older by the day and this anticipation of, of Rodney coming again. Would uh, would Ascended John, before old Rodney dies, finally show himself and talk to old Rodney? And, and explain maybe, what he's done. Maybe John doesn't show himself until they find old Rodney in the pod. And they bring him out, and they have him in the infirmary, like they did Elizabeth. And John realizes that he's going to lose this version of Rodney. That this is this is it. 
he's he's dying and um he can't go back in the pod because because Elizabeth couldn't go back in the pod. The reason they found her was that her pod went off, right? It was um there was an alarm on her pod. Yeah. Because she was dying or about to die. Mm-hmm. And so John reveals himself to everyone. And because they were starting to assume that old Rodney's time travel and Rodney being on the city is the reason why the new Rodney or the current Rodney, whatever you want to call him, um, has such you know VIP access to the um, the city. And it's not so much that Rodney is the city's very important person. He's John's very important person. And so John's going to have to say goodbye to one version of Rodney and introduce himself to another. And he's had enough time to get to know new Rodney a little bit because that right. episode is the latter third of the right. of the series, season one, as I recall. Mm-hmm. So who John Shepard as we what we who we think of as John Shepard is an ancient. So who is the second in command on the expedition in this scenario? Um it could be Evan Lorne. Ev- I was going to say you could bring Evan Lorne in, in early. It could be Cameron Mitchell. Oh, that'd be different. Drift, Senna. <laughs> That's kind of a heartbreaking story idea. I love it, but it's really heartbreaking. I have a bittersweet kind of um, idea going, and, I, and, and it's an EAD, it's one more day, where John sacrifices himself in the future to come back in time to tell them that Rodney's going to be murdered to prevent it, and the experiment kills him. And um, so Rodney has to deal with one John who's firmly in the closet and another who is deeply in love with him and who sacrificed his life to save his. And he's dying. And his only, the only thing he wants is to spend his last day with, with Rodney. How? And it's called One More Day. Um, it's on EAD, uh, uh, and I I stopped writing it. It's, it's still on my plate. That's why it's still on the AD. Um, because I don't know if I want to actually kill John or if I want to ascend John. So um, ascension is less painful, still bittersweet. Um, so... Yeah, it's painful either way. Um, yeah, ow. I, I just, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm making a note about this. I'm going to bookmark it when I, since I find it here so that when I'm feeling like, <laughs> yeah, I want a good cry. <laughs> well, I end it before I actually kill him. So, you you know, if you don't want to think of the ramifications that are coming. Um, oh, yeah, like that's going to yeah. happen. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
And um, it's just that I don't know. I'm really only one scene away from finishing that fic, and, and I just can't decide if I want to kill him or if I want to ascend him and um, what the ramifications would be because I don't think... I don't believe there's a John Shepard I've ever written that would want to leave a body for the SGC to have. No. No. Right? And in a way, it's kinder to Rodney if John ascends. It's not necessarily kinder to John, but it's kinder to Rodney. Because he knows John still exists in some way. Yeah, it had been a while since he'd lost Rodney, and um, he found the device, but they couldn't, but they couldn't fix it to make it work correctly, and so he used it anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I'm on the fence about how I want to end it, and that's really the only thing missing from that story is um, the ending, um, because it's not, it's not about the current John, it's about the John that came from the future, so there wasn't going to be a connection or a relationship start for them. This was about Rodney giving this John from the future his last day. And so it's just a short story that I haven't finished because I can't figure out what I want to do with the body. <laughs> well, Senna, Senna made a you know valid point that if he makes sure that he's with Ronan when he dies, um, Ronan isn't going to acknowledge anybody's wishes but John's. And if he, he says, you know, put me through a space gate or... Zap me with a zat, <laughs> whatever it is, make me gone. So I don't know. I'm on the fence about what to do about it, but I'll, I'll figure it out eventually. It's just how much do I want to make myself cry? I never want to make myself cry, but I do it a lot. <laughs> I didn't think. It's my current project for Rough Trade that I'm almost finished with now. I didn't think I'd be crying in that story. I've cried every fucking part in the writing. Every <laughs> fucking made part. I so cry the other day writing some Harry Potter. I don't even know where it came from. It was oh, it was terrible. Like, I don't need this. <laughs> I mean, tears are streaming down my fucking face. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? And those are the moments when I envy the women who cry pretty. You know, <laughs> they look, you know, their cheeks get a little bit red and they look all bright eyed and sparkly. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's so neat. And then there's me, you know, I'm who sorry. Like, bloodshot eyes and I get all stuffed up and I do get red, but it's in a very blotchy kind of way. <laughs> I get a little stuffy, but mostly I do that thing with my cheeks get pink and my eyes get bright. And oh, you terrible person, you pretty cry that it's just, oh, I, I just can't deal. But you know what my husband says? He says he can't take my crying seriously because it's not ugly. He yeah. says it looks fake. <laughs> That's a this is Sparta motherfucker kind of comment. <laughs> but you know what, though? Like, there's like, if a sad cry is kind of pretty, but my ugly cry is like a sobbing, angry, 
I'm going to kill every motherfucker on this planet, kind of cry. I'm going to set the world on fire. <laughs> so I think even pretty criers have an ugly cry. It's just, it usually comes out when they're furious. My ugly, I ugly, well, I ugly cry, literally ugly. When I have that kind of cry, it's like, you know, I like can't breathe. It's terrible. But it's like I can have just a sad cry, and people look at me after the fact and go, oh, my God, who died? I'm like, oh, come on. It was just like, you know, five sad lines. Stop it. <laughs> but, I mean, you're all bloodshot, and, like, you're really red. I'm like, ugh. I can't talk about it. <laughs> I'm not an attractive crier. Just leave it alone. I go to see Steel Magnolias, and people think I got a, you know, a death notice or something. Oh, in the movie. I made the mistake of my husband and I, our third date, this is going to date us, this is going to tell you how old we are. Our third date, we went to see City of Angels. I don't know what oh. the fuck I was thinking. I, I should have known better, but I didn't know better because I really didn't know who Nicholas Sparks was at the time. I've learned. Is that City, is, is that Nicholas Sparks? If it's not, it should be. It's in the same vein if it's not. Um... My very first date, very first date, like, of my life was still Magnolias. Which is why it's my reference for crying in movies. I I can hold it together most of the time watching Still Magnolias right up into the point where Sally Field leaves the hospital and she goes to get Jack and she's walking really fast like she does in the movie and Jack comes up the sidewalk and fuck. <laughs> oh, when I'm she done. loses it, when I'm she so loses done. it in the uh, when she loses it in the cemetery. Oh no, that, no, no, we can't even go to the cemetery. We can't even go there. So <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. So we have one minute and 30 seconds. Oh, I hope, I hope that the different variations on this plot question um, was helpful and you guys learned something or at least were entertained. And um, on behalf of Julie, I would like to ask you not under any circumstances to ask us about any of these ideas that we've talked about this evening. Or write them. Or ask us to write them. And more importantly, let me be blunt. Don't write them on our behalf. If I share an idea on my podcast or I post a plot bunny on my website or and you write it before I do I'm going to hate your guts straight up just letting you know (laughs) say good night Jilly good night Jilly (laughs) good night Kira you guys have a great weekend shut up and sit down